0: This is Cruise Radio
1: Rewind. Real reviews from real cruisers. This weekend's episode of Cruise Radio Rewind comes in by request from Eric. He wants to cruise from Vancouver to Hawaii, and coincidentally enough, Matt just returned from that same sailing. So Matt's on the line from Houston to talk about his experience. Hey, Matt. Hey,
0: Doug. How you doing?
1: Good, buddy. So you're over in Houston, and you took this cruise from Vancouver all the way out to Hawaii. Give us some pre-cruise thoughts.
0: Well, my wife and I went to Hawaii ourselves, just by ourselves, not on a cruise or anything back in 2003. And ever since then, we've just been dying to get back. And since then, we've also become avid cruisers. So this seemed like the best way to go.
1: Do you normally just travel on celebrity?
0: Yes, we're celebrity loyalists. Okay. Out of 10 cruises, they've all been on Celebrity.
1: Okay, so you make your way from Honolulu to Vancouver. Any pre-cruise time?
0: We did. We flew in a day early. We used to try to fly in on the day of departure. But, uh, you know, Vancouver in the past has been uh, either mobbed or completely empty as Mm -hmm. far as the airport goes. Uh, So uh, we wanted to make sure that we were not cutting it close getting on the ship. So we flew in a day early.
1: How was your like clearing customs and everything going through Vancouver Airport this time?
0: Oh, this time it was fantastic. I could not have asked. It was like we had the whole airport to ourselves. You know, sometimes we've been there. I think we the last time we were there took my mother in law to Alaska on Millennium, and uh, I guess we got there just as the big push of all the Asian airlines came in. And it was a nightmare. We were at like two hours.
1: Yeah, it could always be hit or miss flying through Vancouver. So you make your way to the cruise pier in Vancouver. How was embarkation?
0: Uh, Embarkation was, I think, as smooth as it can go for being Canada Place. Mm -hmm. We're not big fans of Canada Place. We don't like the way it's set up. Uh, I know that's, that's subjective. But just getting into Canada Place itself, if you're not bringing in a tour bus or on a transfer from the airport, it's really kind of a pain.
1: We always stay at that hotel right there at Canada Place just because you just walk downstairs and you're on the ship. Is
0: that the Pan Pacific? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It can cost a couple extra dollars, but it's sometimes it's worth not going through the hassle.
0: Right. Well, we stayed at the Fairmont waterfront across the street oh, yeah, so just you're right for there. that reason. I'm
1: trying to think. Now, whenever I did the... Uh, cruise out of Vancouver this summer. We had to go through like a customs thing before we boarded the ship. Did you have that process?
0: Yes. And because there were three ships in port, it was uh, in addition to Eclipse, uh, we were in there with, I think, uh, maybe Nordam and one of the other dams. It was another uh, Holland America. I can't remember which, but because there were three ships and everybody had to funnel through just the one uh, immigration area, that's where it got backed up.
1: Yeah, that could be a pain because it's always like, what ship are you on? You have to go the direction of your ship. It's, uh, it can get pretty right. wild there. So once you make your way on board Celebrity Eclipse, what were your first impressions?
0: Oh, uh, really? My first thought was, uh, you know, it might sound kind of corny, but my first thought was, oh, hey, I'm in a familiar place. It's almost mm-hmm. like home. Just smelling the ship for the first time, it always smells the same. Mm-hmm. And, uh, You know, I knew that I was in a familiar place.
1: The Solstice class ships—that's the—they have that big tree hanging in the atrium, right? Yes. Yeah, they sure do. That's pretty cool. So, what kind of stateroom did you book on this cruise, and what were your thoughts of it?
0: Uh, We booked a uh, concierge class. We always try to book an aft concierge. Um, In this category is C1 uh, aft facing on deck ten, number twelve oh six right in the middle. So it's right underneath the flag mast.
1: You say aft facing, is that a balcony?
0: Yes, it's a okay. veranda. This particular room, the reason we booked it uh, is because on the the Solstice class ships, the aft facing center line, they all have a 50% wider balcony due to some uh, mechanical space next door.
1: How was the space inside the cabin?
0: Uh, the space inside the cabin is is pretty standard for their concierge class. And really, we've stayed in a veranda before and. The space differences and all that, that much uh, different, but it's comfortable, enough room to move around, and uh, we never really felt cramped or claustrophobic.
1: What's the difference between the concierge class and a regular veranda?
0: Really, just the perks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe that the bathroom is a little bit uh, better appointed, it has some, some different fixtures, a different shower head. Looks nicer, but mainly it's just the perks and the number of points you accrue each night.
1: Does the concierge class allow you to eat in that specialty dining room blue?
0: No, that's all for aqua class.
1: Okay. Man, they have a lot of levels.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they sure do. (laughs) Seems like they're always adding something.
1: Does uh, Celebrity Eclipse have uh, the USB ports in there?
0: Uh, They don't have any USB ports, but we bring a hub uh, that we learned long ago Mm -hmm. and used one of the, the two US sockets.
1: Let's talk about dining on Celebrity Eclipse, and this was 11 nights, and we were chatting before the interview, and you said you purchased the specialty dining package. So we'll hit the specialty venues first. So the package overall, was it worth it for what you got? I think so. Uh,
0: It knocked, oh, maybe the price of one meal for one person off the, the entire experience. Okay. And so it made it worth it. They offered us a, a 4 dinner package, but on 11 nights, you know, we don't want to bog ourselves down with too much specialty dining.
1: What venues did you go to?
0: Oh, the two we did. Um, the first one we did was uh, La Petite Chef, which was fantastic. I knew a little bit about what to expect, but that just that blew me away. We had so much fun with that. Uh, and we also did Tuscan. We did Tuscan two nights. So,
1: did they build out a venue just for La Petite on Eclipse or is it uh, does it take place in another venue?
0: They have kind of taken over Kazine and okay. it's still it's it's weird how they did this. It's still called Kazine, but just the concept changed. So it's not doing like the the tapas kind of menu on the on an iPad. Now it's just La Petite chef in Kazine.
1: What kind of menu did you have in La Petite? It's a fixed menu.
0: Mm -hmm. There are some uh, things that you can do uh, off-menu, like if you don't like lobster or whatever. For one thing, I don't know why you'd book it, but Mm -hmm. if you don't, you can get like a Caesar salad instead of the seafood stew. But the fixed menu that goes with the little show is a a seafood stew that's got like clams and shrimp and uh, scallops and uh, at least one uh, calamari tentacle. (laughs) <laughs> sticking out of it, which was cool, and then they give you a uh, a lobster tail. Then there is a uh, a little steak that they'll bring out and then finally a dessert course.
1: How about the main dining room? What time dining did you have, and how was your experience in there?
0: Uh, We booked early dining, and this was strange. This was the first cruise we've been on where the early dining was at 5.45. In the past, it's always been 6 or 6.15 at the latest, and this time, I don't know why, but they bumped it up to 5.45, and that kind of caught us by surprise. We don't usually like to eat quite that early.
1: I guess if you were going from east to west— you're losing an hour every day, right?
0: Yeah, which okay. you know worked out sometimes in some ways right. and and didn't in others. But this was one where you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about that. So, how was the food and service in there?
0: The service was just what we've come to expect from celebrity. They're pretty uh, uh, uniform across the fleet that we've seen, uh, polished, uh, polite, you know, personable. Uh, call you by your first name. Uh, they they get to know your preferences pretty pretty quickly. But because we had those. Those uh, specialty dinings up toward the front of the cruise, we didn't get in there quite as much as I would have liked. I really enjoy the MDR, the yeah. uh, main dining room.
1: And then the Ocean View Cafe, which is the buffet on Celebrity Ships. How was that experience?
0: Uh, this was better uh, than I've I've had in the past. I've, I still like the buffet. Uh, my wife likes it a lot more than I do. But I think the food was better on this sailing, yeah. uh, and I don't know why that is. I don't know if they changed somebody or if it's a fleet-wide thing.
1: Sometimes it varies on where they get provisions, too. Like it, I don't know, yeah. sometimes the quality of food might be better in Vancouver than, say, Lauderdale, you know?
0: Right, right. Yeah, we were just on this ship a year ago doing a British Isles itinerary. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't. maybe the food wasn't as good coming out of
1: Europe just yeah. for the ports we were in. Now, as far as the entertainment on this 11-night sailing, how was it? Uh, we went
0: to a few of them. Uh, we've noticed since we started sailing that— uh, that they're doing fewer and fewer of the big production shows. I think I understand why it's because, you know, maybe it's a load on their, their uh, entertainment crew, having to learn like four or five different big production shows for one sailing. Uh, So they had a bunch of guest entertainers, just, some were just singers. We had a magician, uh, Chad Chessmark, I think was his name. And after seeing his act, we've seen him before, I think on Eclipse. And He's really funny. The one singer we did check out was actually kind of surprising because it was a country act. But he did old country from, you know, 70s, maybe into the 80s a little bit. And he was okay. If you like that kind of music, he was good. We just didn't care for him too much. But the production show that I went to see the night that my wife was sick uh, was called Euphoria. And it was incredible. It was one of the best shows I've ever seen on land or on sea.
1: How was the music around the ship outside of the theater?
0: We had a soloist, a solo guitarist, uh, and really we didn't see him too much. Uh, we don't really go out and, and try to find the musicians. We just kind of enjoy them mm-hmm. if they happen to be where we are. The house band, not so much, but the, the soloist was, was good. He was, uh, on the quiet side. So he wasn't like a big rock and roll kind of guitarist. And then there was a, uh, almost like a classical duet that had, a. I think it was a woman that played piano and then one that played cello, maybe. They were very good. I enjoyed listening to them quite a bit. Did you
1: catch any of the comedy shows? Uh,
0: the one comedy show that we saw was the Chad Chessmark guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and and if you see him on your, your itinerary, go check him out. He's funny. He's a, a comedy magician, and he has a couple of different shows that he does. We only saw the one.
1: You mentioned your wife was sick. Was she okay throughout the whole cruise?
0: Yeah, we almost budget for
1: this,
0: (laughs) going to see the ship's doctor. Because she always, if there's something on board, she's going to catch it. It was just a little bit of cruise crud. This time I caught it getting off the ship, thank God.
1: So as far as the sea days, which you had a lot, you had five up front. um, how How did the ship handle on sea days as far as crowds and congestion?
0: I never really felt like there were too many people on board. You know, the ship only holds 3000 people. Mm -hmm. I think it held everybody pretty well. There was never a time. It seemed like when you went to the pool and we did quite a bit because my wife likes to go out and get sunburned, (laughs) uh, that everybody was able to find a seat either in the shade or in the sun, if they wanted one. And on the sea days, you know, people kind of space out their meals. So the buffet was never all that crowded and the burger grill up by the pool You know, sometimes had a line, but it was usually over in about five minutes.
1: Did you notice any congestion points?
0: Not so much during the day. At feeding time, you know, Mm -hmm. when the hogs are heading for the trough, (laughs) yeah. Uh, It could get pretty congested around the restaurants, especially because, you know, the main dining room has, uh, when it was built, four entrances. And now two of those are for something totally different. Mm -hmm. And people would get confused, especially with the two decks and
1: What did they move those other two doors? What do they make those?
0: Uh, One of them is for the select dining. Uh, I think that was on the second deck, Mm -hmm. starboard side. And then uh, on the lower level of the dining room has been converted to the sweet restaurant, Lumine. All
1: right. Well, let's talk about the ports of call on this 11-night cruise. It was a Hawaii itinerary. So uh, what we'll do here is give us the port of call and give us a highlight and then move to the next one.
0: All right. First one we came to was Hilo. And Hilo was an overnight. Uh, it was the first of two overnights on the sailing. And you know, Hilo is kind of an industrial port, so it's not really walkable. However, we got off the ship and walked to go get a rent car. Uh, and we drove down to South Point, which is the farthest south point in the United States. And we wanted to go see the green sand beach. So we did that. It's a It's a pretty strenuous hike from the parking area to the beach itself. So we paid some locals to bring us back in a four by four. And then, you know, the next morning, because obviously it was an overnight, we were still in Hilo and we took a ship's tour, which was it was nice, but it was disappointing because the tour that we were supposed to take was uh, a tour up to the top of Mauna Kea to the Mm -hmm. observatories. But right now we've got the protest blocking the road uh, with the locals that are that are protesting the construction of the 30 meter telescope. Yeah. And, uh, so we, you know, we got a notification a couple of days beforehand that they were going to have to alter our, our, uh, our tour if we chose to still go on it. Uh, and what they ended up altering it to was just kind of a basic van tour around the central and, and Eastern side of the Island, which was still nice. I mean, we still got to see plenty of scenery, uh, But, you know, I really kind of wanted to go up and see one of the observatories. But on the other hand, I also understand the protesters and and what they're trying to achieve.
1: So when they're protesting like that, Matt, they um, don't—I guess I don't know enough about protesting. Like, they can block roads and still consider it peaceful?
0: Yeah, there's just one road that goes up to the observatories. Mm -hmm. And so some of the elders are just basically peaceful protesting, civil disobedience, sitting across the road uh, to block access. Gotcha. And so nobody's rowdy. As okay. a matter of fact, our tour guide, a local, was was explaining that everybody has been so impressed by how they're handling this because, you know, the police aren't coming in and just, uh, you know, tackling people and, and forcibly moving them out of the way. Because mm-hmm. a lot of these people are family. Yeah. You know, the families on, on the islands are huge. Sure. And sometimes they're arresting a cousin or a, a aunt or uncle. You know, everybody's just going about it really as civilly as they can. And some concessions are made to let engineers up to, to actually work on the telescopes to fix them and keep them operating and things like that.
1: Because this tour was kind of rerouted, they, they give you an option to cancel or a reduction in the cost?
0: Yeah, we could do either. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they lowered the cost of the tour that we did and then knocked off, I think, 20 or 25 percent.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, or we could have canceled without penalty.
1: Oh, that was nice of them. Wow. Yeah. yeah. They didn't so we that.
0: chose to just go ahead with it because we didn't have anything else planned.
1: And what was your next port of call?
0: Uh, so the next morning we woke up and we were in Kona, uh, actually in Kailua, the port town of Kailua. And that was a tender port. And tendering can be kind of hectic, but I think Celebrity handles it pretty well. I mean, they had everybody from the captain, the hotel director, everybody with a lot of stripes was there and ready to help. Uh, so they kept it going pretty well. In uh, that day, uh, we swore when we were there in 2003, because we didn't take a helicopter tour over the island, that we would take a helicopter tour to try to see the volcanoes from the air if we ever returned. And we didn't really care for, we did some research about the, the ship's tours. And, you know, Blue Hawaiian, I'm sure those, those operators are great, and that it's a fun experience. But we also saw that you're not guaranteed which seat you're going to have on the the helicopter, and I didn't want to get stuck in the middle, in the back, where mm-hmm. I wouldn't have a view. So we ended up. I found a, a company called Monoloa Helicopters. They've just got some smaller helicopters, little four-seaters, and we just we chartered the whole thing ourselves. It was a little bit extra money, but you know, it, it guaranteed us. You know, I got to sit in the front seat next to the pilot. And uh, nobody had a middle seat in the back where they couldn't see. And it was a two hour tour instead of a 45 minute tour for, you know, just a couple hundred dollars more.
1: Yeah. You know what I learned, Matt, is I have really bad space issues. So when I take these helicopter tours, because I love to do it like in Alaska or Grand Cayman, I always tell the aviation center, like, look, I have really serious claustrophobic issues in space issues. Mm -hmm. I need to sit in the front or by a window. Or I can't go. Right. Every time they've always – well, four times. I say every time. They've always accommodated me. I don't know. I mean, if you want to – if you have space issues, you can always play that card. But it exactly. So, I mean, like just like got sitting next a
0: to a window, you can feel like you've got more space.
1: Yeah. It sounds like you got a great deal, though, for the whole helicopter for a couple of hours.
0: Yeah. It was awesome. And that was another thing. You know, the, the, the big tour operators, it's a fixed route that they mm-hmm. take. And we got in the helicopter with our pilot. He goes, man, I am so stoked. The weather is awesome over about 90% of the island. Where do y'all want to go? Like, show us everything. (laughs) And we were up and gone.
1: It was awesome. And then, uh, so that was Kona. And then Maui was next?
0: Yes. Uh, The next morning we woke up in our second overnight port, uh, which was Lahaina. Uh, When we first booked, I didn't pay a lot of attention. I expected to go into Kahului. And uh, it was a nice surprise that, that we weren't. We were actually going into Lahaina, uh, which is another tender, but it's there on the, the far west end of, of Maui. So it's not the big developed – I mean, it's still developed, but it's not developed like like Kahului is. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very much uh, kind of like right around the port is very touristy. Uh, you've got a lot of your – Your shops that you see in in every major cruise port, you know, it's like you get off the ship and you see there's a Del Sol and a Caraloa and and all that stuff, but it's it's good shops too. A lot of art galleries. It's a very walkable port area, and it's not just cruise people. I'd say probably the majority of the people that were there, even with a 3,000-passenger ship in, were, were just people on vacation, staying on land, a lot of honeymooners. And so there that first day, uh, we took a, a tour through the ship that went up to Haleakala, which is the big national park, the mountain, over toward the, the east end of the island. You know, it's, it's a, a pretty dramatic climb, uh, even in a motor coach.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and the drama comes from how fast you go up. Uh, we actually had to stop a couple of times at some places so that we could get acclimated for a few minutes before we continued up. Uh, but the view, once we got to the top, was crystal clear. It's, it's a surreal landscape. You don't get to go a lot of places when you're up at the top because they don't want tourists like crawling all over this, this pristine landscape. So you just basically go up to a visitor center, look out over it, take your pictures, ooh and ah, and then you head back down. Uh, on a side note, real quick, there was uh, another tour that. Uh, the people at the table next to us in the main dining room went on where they actually had to be on a tender. I think at like one 30 in the morning oh, to man. go up there for a sunrise tour. If I'm up at one thirty in the morning, there's a problem. My house better be on fire. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, these people uh, got up at that hour. Uh, it was cold up there. You know, it gets down into the thirties up there at night, even this time of year. And they said they got up there and it was like maybe 10 meters visibility because of the fog oh, Disappointment. <laughs> so, well, all the way up there at that hour of the morning to say the sunrise and they didn't get a sunrise out of it they just got fog but that first day in lahaina we originally had a second tour planned to go on a sunset sailing on a catamaran and we ended up canceling it just because you know we had five sea days followed by port 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 We just wanted some time on our own to kind of browse around, which was actually worked out in our favor because we found a glass blowing studio before we went and I saw that they offered lessons Mm -hmm. and just a quick, you know, 30, 45 minute glass blowing session with an artist in an outdoor hot glass shop. Uh, It was awesome. I mean, we made a, a little fish and it's, it's sitting on our, entertainment center downstairs with a light behind it. It's really cool looking. It was a lot of fun.
1: I want to ask you real quick, Matt, and excuse my geographical ignorance here, but is the Kilauea volcano still active over there?
0: It is not, not at the moment. And everything I read says geologists think that the uh, magma chamber is recharging based on some of the seismic activity that they've had. And, you know, they're taking measurements of everything. And this is over on the big Island. Yeah. Um, but right now, there's just nothing. It's no lava to speak of at all that yeah, you can see from from the air or the ground.
1: I cut you off. Sorry about that. So what was next? Hey, no problem.
0: Uh, so next was our second day in Lahaina. This was what I'm going to consider like the hidden gem that was a big surprise for us. The tour that we scheduled for the day through the ship was a day trip over to Lanai. So one of the other islands. And it's you can see uh, three of the other islands from Maui, from our end of Maui. Uh, And Lanai is like first and foremost. And this is the island that was owned by the Dole Pineapple Plantation for all those years. And uh, recently sold to Larry Ellison from Oracle. I think that's his name. Mm -hmm. Uh, The CEO of Oracle. He now owns 98% of the island. And this island is like an untouched, pristine wilderness. There's only 3,500 inhabitants on the island. Uh, They all live in Lanai City. (laughs) (laughs) There's a, a Four Seasons right next to the, the port, but the island is amazing. It's almost what I think it would have been like to have been a, an early explorer. I mean, obviously, except for the roads and the infrastructure, but just there's no houses all over the place. There's no industrial complex on the island, uh, and the, the resorts that are there are very small and confined to one area. The tour that we took uh, ended up being almost like a private tour uh with some locals we were in a a suburban with our guide and one other couple and it was another one of those these are the spots we're going to hit what order do you want to see them in and so you know we kind of had a chance to customize it a little bit we ended up going up to shipwreck beach which is just what it sounds like the beach with a shipwreck on it Mm -hmm. it's got an old world war ii i think a fleet oiler is what he called it that's wrecked down the beach we didn't go up to it but you know, it made for some nice photographs. And it's a a pretty, pretty clean beach. Our guide is a local, lived there all his life for 60 something years, except for a couple of years in the Air Force. You know, He knew everything about the island, knew everybody on the island. We'd drive through the town. He'd say, oh, hey, there's my dad driving that yellow car. There's my aunt. You know, it was great. And he took us over to Garden of the Gods, which was uh, this really remote little area of the island, very wind blown. So the The foliage doesn't really grow up there, and it's just a a big cluster of some large boulders left over from when the island was still volcanic. Almost like a Martian landscape up there. Super windy. And then we stopped at a quick beach, which was a hidden gem. This beach, it is the cleanest, most postcard, picture-perfect beaches I've ever seen. And it's just off the little pier, I guess, for the ferry over from Maui, and it's walkable. You could walk to it from the pier. It's amazing.
1: Sounds like an awesome trip, man. That's, uh, I had, I've never have done a Hawaii cruise. It's been, I almost did one once out of LA round trip, but I, I bailed on it last minute. But man, it sounds like it's uh, just, is it is it like Alaska? Like I've been to Alaska a number of times and it's like you're living in a postcard. Is it a lot like that?
0: A lot of it is. They do a lot to kind of keep it up. Uh, the locals have a lot of pride in their state. And so they, they try to keep it clean. As a matter of fact, on that walk, to the green sand beach that first day we noticed where some locals had come through and they'd picked up a lot of the, the trash that floats in on the sea, the plastic and the, uh, you know, all of the debris and they've piled it up so that they could come through and pick it up, uh, at a later date, but like all in one place. So, uh, Simple. you know, they, they know that tourism is a, as a big industry. And so, you know, and they have some pride in where they live, and, uh, and it shows
1: the, after this port of call, you went just to Honolulu and the uh, the cruise was over.
0: Right. And, and we were a little bit delayed in getting out there because that second day in Maui, a wildfire broke out kind of toward the middle on the South side of the Island. And to get to that end of the Island where we were, uh, not docked, but you know, where we were, uh, there's really only one road. That goes over there, and the authorities shut it down. The fire was blowing across the road, and they needed that space to work on it. And so that left a bunch of the tours stranded. Uh, you know, the fire wasn't going uh, before the tours went past, uh, but they had to close the road, I guess, midday. And some of those tours from the ship were stranded on the, the other side. Oh, wow! There is another road that goes around the north side of the island, mm-hmm. but I got the impression that that wasn't really a viable option. It was like really windy uh, and just like hours longer. and it was congested because everybody else was going that way.
1: When I think uh, of Maui, I think of uh, was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast, and Steven Tyler was on there from Aerosmith. And when he started judging American Idols, so like 2011, he got this killer contract, so he bought a, like a five million dollar house over in Maui. And then they passed the Steven Tyler Act through Congress saying that paparazzi couldn't get within a certain amount of feet of famous people in Maui. Kind of a random side note there, but Maui made me think of it.
0: And it's not hard to buy a house that expensive, so I can see yeah. why uh, <laughs> you know a lot of celebrities would love it. I, I personally would love to retire there, especially mm-hmm. to that end of the island. So you make your way back
1: to Honolulu. how is was debark?
0: Debark process could not have been easier. Uh, For one thing, because you've already gone through customs on the Vancouver end, there's no customs on this end. And so we just, you know, uh, by the time we were finished eating breakfast, we didn't have a plane to catch. So we weren't, you know, really rushing. But by the time we finished a leisurely breakfast in the buffet, we went down to the, the concierge lounge. And I didn't even have a chance to sit down before they called our number. A nice slow pace. We just leisurely walked up. Our bags were right where they said they'd be. And I think we were in the line for the taxi, uh, maybe five minutes after, uh, walking off the ship, scanning out for the last time.
1: Did you do a post-cruise stay in Honolulu?
0: Yeah, we, we stayed a couple of extra days on the Honolulu end just because, you know, we weren't going to go back to work the next day anyway. So Mm. You know, why not? We had a weekend at the end of it, stayed at the Hilton Hawaiian Village there at the end, and I ended up getting sick. So right as I was getting off the ship, I was starting to get a full-blown sinus infection. And I'm just now getting over it here, what, two weeks later?
1: What kind of flight is that, getting back to Houston from Honolulu?
0: Your options are a direct flight. Uh, They have a couple of direct flights. I think they still have two uh, on United uh, but those are overnight flights, and I can't stand overnight flights. So I looked for an alternative. And uh, it's a longer day, but I think that that breaking it in L.A. was the right thing to do. So we left about uh, 7 o'clock in the morning uh, from Honolulu, got to L.A. about 3.15 in the afternoon, had a couple hours of layover. And then on to to Houston. Got home about 11, 15 at night.
1: Hey, that's that is a long travel. Well, I guess not really that long when you consider there's uh what a five hour there's time changes four or five yeah. hour. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Well, uh, looking back, do you have any first time tips to offer for folks wanting to take a Hawaiian cruise?
0: If you're going to take the Hawaiian cruise, uh, and and again this is subjective. If you were like us, we would have preferred the Honolulu to Vancouver rather than the route that we took, mm-hmm. just because you've got your sea days up front where you're ready to be on vacation, but all you can do is sit around by the pool, and then it's port, 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 port off the ship. We would have preferred having the port intensity up front, and then having the five days to kind of relax and decompress before we got back to the other end. Yeah, that's that's probably the best tip I'd give for the itinerary.
1: That sounds a lot like Mediterranean cruises. A lot of them only have one sea day, and then it's You leave the dock, first days at sea, port, 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 then you're off the ship. It's always good to kind of have one of those decompression days, I like to call it.
0: Yes, maybe a full day to kind of get your Mm -hmm. stuff together.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, You know, I like to edit pictures. I had my laptop, and I didn't have a chance to edit any of my pictures that I'd taken on the trip. Because I hadn't taken any pictures yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man. Well, looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise?
0: Biggest highlight was probably that helicopter tour. I mean, it was it was everything that, that I had hoped it would be. Got to, to see some uh, amazing terrain and, and uh, scenery from up there. You know, we got to go up the Kahala Coast, uh, fly up some of those big, deep valleys and see those long, stringy waterfalls uh, that just dwarf everything around them. So that was, uh, if you can do a helicopter tour, I would do it over the big Island. Try to get one that's as inclusive as you can.
1: What are your final thoughts of Celebrity Eclipse?
0: Uh, Celebrity Eclipse. Uh, she's what, nine years old now. I think she launched in 2010 and I think she's still in great shape. There were a few places that looked like, uh, that maybe they could use some touch up paint, but I mean, why put that much effort into it? They're about to do the revolution on her, I think, in the next year. Still in wonderful shape. The crew was awesome. Captain Leo was awesome. He's hysterical. The rest of the crew was great, too. I mean, they are always visible, especially on port days, helping you get on and off the ship. You know, there's, there's no reason that I would ever steer anybody away from this ship.
1: We've been talking with Matt about his 11-night Hawaiian cruise aboard Celebrity Eclipse from Vancouver to Honolulu. Matt, thanks for taking the time to share this with us, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner.